Welcome to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. It's really great to be here. I just want to thank Pastor Jason M for trusting their church with me. And you can guarantee that right now they are thinking, what is he saying? I guarantee it. I am thinking right now for the person preaching in my church, what are they preaching? Right? And so I'm like, you know, trying to get updates all morning. And uh, I was just about to send a message to one of my team and say, how's it going? And they, they beat me to it. They said, everything's set up, ready to go. You can relax now. And uh, I'm like, great. And then I just gotten some more messages come through. But it's just a great honor for them to entrust me with you guys, the people that they love and their heart beats for. And you, you, going on holiday as a, as a pastor can be really stressful on a Sunday. And uh, the only way I can kind of maybe describe what it's like is any mums here who have gone on holiday without their kids, right? You, you know that feeling. I don't say dads because you're like, yeah, let's go. Like, mum's still saying, goodbye, sweetie, I love you. Be good for granny and dad's in the car waiting to go, right? Can I get an amen from any husbands? So multiply that by, by something and that's what a pastor feels. But hey, it's great to be here. Me in a snapshot, let's, I'll just introduce myself like it's kind of a speed dating series right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a performance orientated, bit of an abstract thinking introvert. Okay. That's, that's me. So what that means is no one's going to kind of be critical of this message more than I will be. Um, it's going to feel like I've got no idea where I'm going, but trust me, we'll land somewhere. And uh, I am, when I say it's great to be here, what I really mean is I'm so far out of my comfort zone right now. It's like, you know, it's you know, just doing things to me internally. But hey, it is great to be here. And like Ben said, my wife and I, we started a church down in Melbourne the greatest city on the planet. Can I get an amen? It was voted the most livable city in the world seven years in a row, but we got kicked out this year by Vienna. And uh, I don't know who votes for these things that we keep winning it every year, but we'll take the win. And I've uh, been planning a church down there and with our three incredible little boys, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. And you know, we're just, we're just trusting God and we, we planted with just two people besides my, my, our family. So six in total in a city of four million people where we didn't know anybody, had no connections, no family, no networks, no, no anything. Just trusting God would, would do something and uh, at times it felt like he wasn't doing anything. And uh, ever, ever had a prayer that, like that where you trusting God will do something but it doesn't feel like anything's happening? Something's always happening. You can't see it because it's in the ground. It's seed. It's, it's you know, it's, but, but stuff's happening. And, uh, you know, we're, we're pushing forward as a church. I just got a message from my wife a few minutes ago to say church is packed. Had to put out an extra two rows today. Uh, 17 visitors just in church alone. And uh, I'm like, I hope he preaches well. And... Uh, but we're, we're excited about church, and I'm excited about being able to speak to you from the Word of God this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you're kind of old school and still actually bring your Bible to church, get it out now, or get your phone out, or I'm sure they'll put the verses up on the screen. I, I try to put a lot of Bible into my messages, uh, because it's the infallible Word of God, amen? And uh, the, the Bible is not there to support my arguments. I'm here to lift up the Word of God, amen? And so... Just ignore anything that sounds like my thought and write down everything that sounds like the Bible and you'll be blessed. Amen. So Colossians chapter 1 
verse 9 to 12 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And uh, that's a great passage of scripture. And, you know, you've been doing the series with Pastor Ben, who is just, you know, all heart. Who knows Pastor Ben is all heart? You know, he's just all heart. He's a great friend of ours. And just uh, we're so blessed to have uh, these guys in our life as a source of encouragement. I'm just encouraged that he matches his shirt with the carpet. And uh, it's just phenomenal, man, that you did that. But he is one of the most genuine people you will ever meet. And... uh, Sorry, man, but I just, I'm like, dude, you're all over it. And, uh, but he's all heart, and we're so blessed to have him. But this, this prayer from the Apostle Paul is really the prayer of a pastor. It's really the, the, the prayer of, 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 of a pastor. And he, there's no doubt that, that Pastor Ben and Pastor Jason M and all the team here, this is the things that they are praying for you. This is what they want for your life. These are the things that they're pursuing God in prayer and in faith that might eventuate in your life. And I want to focus on one part and one verse today in verse 10, where it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the, in the knowledge of God. And so, so I kind of want to just spend a little bit of time and like I said, just focusing on what it means to please God and what it means to be fruitful. What, you know, because, again, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm performance-orientated. That's just me. That's, uh, I kind of I, 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 I measure everything by how I did, and it's, you know, that's just how I process life. And uh, when I read this scripture that you may be fully pleasing to the Lord, I ask myself, how do you please the Lord? Because I, I want to please the Lord. Anybody else want to please the Lord? I want God to be pleased with my life. And so, but before I begin to pursue how do I please God, I must first make sure I've got a firm grasp and a confident foundation and understanding that before I can ever please God, I have to know that I'm loved by God. Because if you only try to just please God without the foundation of being loved by God, you will start to try and please God to be loved by God. But we, we please God and He helps us to please Him because He first loves us. Amen. And so in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, which is the baptism of Jesus, we hear this great uh, verse, and I think it's up there on the screens. This is the New King James Version. It says, Suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The NIV says, This is my Son, whom I love, semicolon, in other words, separate thought, with whom I am well pleased. So we're always loved as the children of God. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 12, that anyone who believes has the right to be called the children of God. So because we're the children of God, we are loved by Him and we have to always pursue pleasing Him out of the premise that we're always loved by Him. Because we want to please Him. But if you're anything like me, there are days where you know what, how, you, how you're living your life in moments doesn't please the Lord. Anyone else like me? That's the nice way of saying we sin, right? We, we, we feel like we, you know, disappoint God, but we have to always first understand 
that we please God. So what pleases God? So Hebrews 11.6, just a couple of points here for, for you to kind of think about, is faith pleases God. Hebrews 11.6, therefore it is impossible to please God without faith. And again, I'm quoting different to what's on the screen because I grew up reading the NIV, but now I, I preach from the New King James Version. Because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so faith pleases God by virtue of the fact that not having faith doesn't please God. And I know this church is a faith-filled, believing church, amen, that if you're here, it's because you've got some level of faith. You might not have fully crossed into believing about Jesus and what He's done for you yet, and you might be still on that journey. But there is something inside of you drawing you to a position of believing that God is real and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. For others, you've been on the journey for 35 years. I met Anne this morning out in the door, and she told me she's been a part of this church for 35 years. That's an incredible story of of consistency and faithfulness. And so I know she's got faith. So whether you've been here for 35 years or 35 minutes, there's a sense of faith in this church, amen, and that is pleasing to the Lord. Number two thing that I think pleases God is that we live spirit-empowered lives. Romans chapter 8, verse 8 to 9 says, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So again, to live in the flesh is unpleasing to the Lord. So therefore, to live in the Spirit must be pleasing to God. Galatians chapter 5, do not live by, you know, do not you know, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so the way we please God is that we rely on His Spirit to be at work in our lives. So you can't even please God in your own efforts. You have to rely on His Spirit at work in your life to please Him. I love how Jesus is the answer to everything Jesus asks you to do. How good is that? Who remembers going to school and you had a maths textbook and they, the publishers who, I don't know if they were educators or what, decided, let's put the answers in the back of the textbook. Who went to school when you had a maths book that had the t- answers in the back of the t- And so we called that Bob back of the book, right? Oh, how do you do this? Just ask Bob. <laughs> Let's go play football, amen. And so that's what living with Jesus is like. He says, I want you to live a life that's pleasing for me, but you can only do it if I'm living on the inside of you, if I dwell on the inside of you. So not only do I ask you to do something, but I'll give you everything you need to do it. I'll hang my hope on that. Because it takes the pressure off me having to please God in my own strength. I can live a spirit-empowered life, which is what C3 is all about whether it's C3 in Hepburn Heights, whether it's C3 in Melbourne North, or anywhere around the world. We are Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered churches. Amen. We believe that the Spirit of God is still at work in the church and in the heart of an individual to glorify and manifest Jesus Christ. Amen. So Spirit-empowered living pleases God. Number three is, I believe, kingdom hearts please God. Philippians 4, just real quickly, says, For even in... Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound, and I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. 
So it's more than just the generosity of the Philippian church that pleased God. It was the generosity to what they were generous towards that pleased God. And I know this church knows how to be generous towards the kingdom of God. You've just gone through your Beyond campaign and raised a great amount of money. Why? Because there's kingdom hearts here. There's hearts that say, we are for your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So you guys are awesome for, for doing that. And so I know I'm in a church that, that is full with people that please God. And so as I'm reading this scripture in Colossians 1 and these verses here in, you know, in Philippians 4, that the fruit may abound to your account. Galatians 5, I, I kind of quoted earlier. Live by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature, and then it goes on and you'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. And it says that you'll be fully pleasing to Him and fruitful in every good work. So not only do I want to please God, but I want a life that's fruitful. I want a life that is fruitful for God. And so let's go to Genesis chapter 1. And I want to help you understand some things this morning and then give you some practical application. Who likes when, when, when we can apply what we learn in the Scriptures so it can actually be relevant to our lives? Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass. And anyone who's got lawn said, Why, God? Why? So I have to mow it, you know? The herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw it was good. So let me kind of give you a little picture of some of my, I guess, biological fruit. These are my three kids up on the, on the screen, I think, coming up. And uh, these are my three beautiful boys. Yeah, aren't they cute? Look like their mum, except Hamish, the one on this side. He looks like me. God help him. And um, so Jackson is our oldest, and he's the gracious one. He's the one that lives and dies by the rules. He's a great helper in church. He helps me set up every Sunday. He sings on our worship team, does the words on our media team. You're never too young or too old to be involved in church life. There's a little plug for the production team. And, uh, you know, he, he's just got a great heart. Hamish, his name means James, which means deceitful one. And uh, unfortunately, he lives up to his name. So it's really our fault. We should have called him something else. Um, but Hamish, he's just all energy. And uh, just, you know, he's got a, he's just, he's got a real sincere, sincere heart. Like you don't see it all the time because he's bouncing off the walls and, and doing all the things that he shouldn't do. I always say the first child lives and dies by the rules. The second child breaks the rules and the third child doesn't even know there are rules. And, um, which brings us to Bennett and, you know, I, I you know, at his second birthday, I felt like getting him a neck tattoo uh, because he's just a little thug and uh, he's spent his whole life just trying to take on his big brothers. And, uh, you know, he, he does Oz Kick as a four-year-old and all the other parents are like, he really should go to the six-year-old program, which means can he stop tackling our kids and taking the ball off them and scoring goals. And I say, hey, he's just had three, two older brothers to, to live with his whole life. And so... These are my kids, and like, even though they look angelic, and even in this scripture, in this picture, you can see that they're created in the image of God, and uh, they're smiling and they're happy. Sometimes they, they don't act like they're created in the image of God. Can I get an amen from any parents right now? Like they, they kind of kind of act like they're more, you know, from the, the, the other side of the heavenly spectrum. 
in the spiritual dimension, and, and none so more evident, and you, you can take that, that, that screen off now, and uh, my wife said, why don't you put a photo up of me? And I said, because if I put a photo up of you, I'll get in trouble. So I got in trouble for not putting a photo up of my wife, even though I knew if I put one up of her, I'd get in trouble. So we're, we're happily married. And uh, <laughs> just in case you thought I needed counselling after the service, right? And so my kids are awesome, but every now and then they just drive me crazy. Can I get an amen? So none so more evident than recently I went to the grocery store. And, and, and wives, who knows if you send a husband to the grocery store, you're going to get about 30% of what you actually ask for. All right? And so, uh, you know, I say to my wife, she sends me to the grocery store. I say, what do you want? She's like, two things. I'm like, great. I say, don't send me a message about anything else. Just what do you want now? All right? Just whatever you tell me now. I'm not writing a list, so tell me now. And uh, I, before I'm even in the driveway, beep, 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 like text message going off, and don't forget this, don't forget this, and I'm like, oh, come on, man, and uh, so anyway, she sent me to the grocery store to get some fruit and bits and pieces, so I, I'm rushing around, and I'm, I'm grabbing stuff, and I, I, I mistakenly picked up a bag of grapes that weren't seedless, oh, I know, all right, you, you, you empathize with the level of demonic you know, attitude in my household, right? So I, I grab these grapes and so I, I get home and I'm, I think I've done awesome and I've, I've saved money by getting different brands and stuff. Like, don't, don't ever try and save money. Save your marriage instead, okay? And, uh, right? And so, so I'm like, I'm like, you know, afternoon tea time, you know, because my kids like de- summertime especially like devour fruit and grapes and uh, apples and oranges and bananas and just everything. Like just, they're like, a swarm, having three boys is like having a swarm of locusts in your house. We went grocery shopping yesterday and the, the, the cupboards are bare again. And so normally they all just devour grapes. So I load up their, their afternoon plates with, with grapes and uh, all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing my thing and then I'm like, I hear this like echoing, bellowing, shrieking noise from the living room. Dad! And you know what it's like when you hear that sound where you think something's wrong. Maybe they're choking on a grape. You know, you go, what's wrong, boys? My beloved children. Because that's how we talk. And um, <laughs> there's something wrong with these grapes, Dad. I'm like, what's wrong with the grapes? They're green. They're, they're crisp. They're fresh. They're robust. They're juicy. They're like, there's something wrong, Dad. They've got crunchy bits. Like, what do you mean they got crunchy bits? That's just they're fresh. No, Dad, look, in the middle. They're crunchy. They've got things in the middle. I'm like, they're seeds. Like, oh, they're gross, Dad. <laughs> mum doesn't get these ones. Oh, <laughs> mum doesn't get I'll give you mum doesn't give these ones. Right? So they're like, mum doesn't give these. Well, they're gross. We're not eating them. Yeah, so I told you they were angels, but there's, they're still dealing with the spirit and the flesh and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I'm like, I'm fine, don't eat them. So like, okay, we're not eating them. And I'm like, you're going to eat them? No, we're not eating them. And so they refused to eat the grapes because they had seeds in them. And so that just really kind of rocked me because growing up when I was a kid, all fruit had seeds in it. Like I ate a mandarin the other day and I got through the whole thing and there wasn't one seed. I remember when I was a kid, if you didn't have 23 seeds in your hand after eating a mandarin, you weren't eating a mandarin. Like now these kids get one seed in a mandarin. What do I do with this, Dad? I'm like, spit it out, put it in the bin, put it in your brother's T-shirt. I do, I don't know. What is this? It's a seed. Watermelon without seeds. Come on, man. 
What are we doing to the next generation? So then it got me thinking, well, if a fruit is something that produces after its own kind and has seed within itself to produce after its own kind, is a fruit that doesn't have seed really a fruit? Told you, performance oriented abstract, introvert, right? And so I'm like, well, does it? Like, if the definition of fruit, if we're using Genesis 1 as our definition, then those seedless grapes aren't fruit. I don't know what we're feeding our kids. Well, I think the government's involved and there's no, just kidding. <laughs> so I start YouTubing, how do you even produce seedless fruit? How does that happen? And so apparently what happened is that a, a, you know, a vine dresser, someone who grows grapes, was, was growing a crop. And then one day he, he discovered that in his crop of grapes, he, he produced a genetically mutated grape that had no seed. And so being a smart person, goes, Coles and Woolworths are going to love these. So what they do is, because the tree has no ability in itself to reproduce, it can continue to grow, but it can't reproduce. What they have to do is they have to cut the branches off the growing vine, and then they put it in some uh, growth rooting hormone, and they plant it into warm soil, and then it produces a vine, a non-producing vine. That's just producing seedless clones of the other seedless grapes. And so I got myself to thinking, well, if I'm called to be fruitful as a believer in Jesus Christ, how do I produce fruit in my life? I need to ensure that I have some level of seed within me that has the ability to produce the fruit that pleases God. So then I got to thinking, what seed? Anyone else think like this? You never, you know... I feel like I'm the kind of kid, I'm, for, for God, I'm, the, I'm my kids that annoy me with all those questions. Why? Why do I have to do that? You know, but I question everything. Why, God? And so I'm like, God, well, what is seed then? And again, the scripture gives us our answer. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go somewhere with here. Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Now, the parable is this, and you can, it's the parable of the seed. The seed is the word of God. So if I'm going to be a fruitful Believer in Jesus Christ, a follower that is pleasing to Him. My greatest responsibility, I believe personally, is to ensure I have a life that is filled with seed. That my life is filled with the Word of God. Because if the seed is within, the seed will produce. If I try to produce without the seed, I'm just replicating something. But it's the seed of the Word of God that dwells on the inside of the heart of a believer that shapes their thoughts, their actions, their attitudes, the sincerity of their heart, their faith in Jesus Christ. And through the Word of God, you will become a fruitful believer in Jesus Christ without even trying to have to produce fruit. I've never walked past a vine of grapes or or an orange tree or, or whatever and heard the tree going, Oh, I really want to produce fruit. Have you? Why? Because it just does it. It's a process because it's got the seed, it produces the fruit. And so the seed is the word of God. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. It says, I am the true vine 
and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. It's like a lose-lose situation there, isn't it? <laughs> Even when you bear fruit, he still cuts you back. And uh, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. So that's, we know that scripture. If you abide in me and I abide in you, we know that, right? But look how it progresses. Look how Jesus progresses this. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. All right? He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So it just kind of sounds like he's repeating himself a bit. But he, he, he kind of makes a little nuanced change in the next sentence. And let's have a look at this. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So here's the change. So we were, if you abide in me, I abide in you. And now it becomes, sorry, my iPad just decided to die, which means I've got about five minutes left. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So we've gone from abide in me and I in you to my word abides in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. And so my prayer for you today is that you will have a desire to be a believer that has the word of God abiding on the inside of you. So that when you have to face the challenges in life that all comes to all people, you will have something on the inside of you that is ready to respond to whatever comes your way. See, the enemy said, the Bible says that we have an enemy who is a devourer. He seeks to devour us. So, so my children, I said before, my children, they devour seedless grapes, but they spit out the crunchy grapes. And I think the same is true spiritually, that the enemy will devour those who are believers that have no word on the inside of them. But when he goes to bite in to a Christian who's got the word of God on the inside of them, he begins to spit them out because he, as he's chewing and trying to chew them up and spit them and, and, and swallow them, there's a little crunch inside of them that he can't respond to. There's a little crunch on the inside of the believer that when circumstances come, they say, hey, 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 no weapon formed against me will prosper. I do not have a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. When sickness comes into our house, I say, by his stripes, we are healed. And so when he comes to devour my life and, and destroy, kill, steal, and destroy, my response is not one of anxiety or fear or, or stress, but it's one of confidence that the Bible is within me, and when it's in me, it's going to come out of me. And so I can respond to the enemy, to circumstance, to situations, it is written. It is written. That's what Jesus did. Luke 4. Then the enemy comes to tempt him. He says, Satan, it's written. It's already been dealt with. And so here's the practical as the, as the worship team come. People ask me. And, and I, I, as a pastor, I like to believe that every one of you go home and the first thing you do tomorrow is read your Bible and pray. But I know the reality is many of you won't read your Bible until you get back into church next Sunday and the preacher reads the Bible again. And as a pastor, that's the last thing we want. We want you to have a heart and a hunger for the Word of God. Not because it's what you do. 
It's because what it will do for you. So people ask me, James, how do I read the Bible when I don't get anything out of it? Ever felt that in your own personal walk with God, that I'm reading the Word, but I'm just not getting anything out of it? I've come to think that, for me, it's the wrong, it's the wrong approach. My, my approach is not to get something out of the Word. My approach has become to get the Word in me. So that when it needs to come out of me, it's in me. So I don't need to have a Holy Spirit revelation moment at 7.30, 3am on a Monday morning because I, I got this incredible you know, revelation from my time in the Word of God. I just need to read it. Because if I read it, it'll get into me. And when time comes, when I'm pressed, when situ- when life or whatever tries to beat down on me, there will be a response in my heart that is steadfast through the Word of God because it's in me. So I don't read the Bible to get something out of it. I read it to get it into me. And so I want to encourage you, if, you, if you've struggled in your Bible reading, and I know Pastor Ben's encouraging you to, to, to get, get your prayer life into a place that works for you. And it's, they go hand in hand. Don't put the pressure on you to have to get something out of it. Just do it. Because it produces seed on the inside of you, which will produce fruitfulness. And you know, I, I, I think it'll do you so well. And it's not even, a, I don't even have to have an altar call. Come to the front if you want the word of God in you. It's just, just a takeaway. Just hey, tomorrow, just find out how it works for you. But you know what? One of the things we've loved in, in planning a church is hearing the stories of people's lives. And, and I've discovered that you can be in church and you've got no idea what the person next to you is going through. You've got no idea what their story's been, what their journey's been. I just want to share a real quick story of a guy called Brendan. That's his real name. It's not a made-up name to protect. There's his name. <laughs> I met him two weeks ago in church. And I began to talk to him last week. I said, tell me your story, man. He's like, you know, I used to be a part of a church. I got saved in 2004, radically saved as a teenager. So I just got on fire for God. Just right in, full-on youth ministry, just boom, just straight into church and leadership and all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, through a set of circumstances and events, he found himself just doubting his faith, doubting God, doubting whether he really believed and whether it was all true and all real. And so in 2008, he took off and he, he basically ran. He ran from God and that's his own words. He said, I just, I just picked a place as far away from Melbourne that I could get to. So he booked a plane to Scotland and found himself in Edinburgh. And uh, he's telling me the story that one morning he's like, are we going to go to the Rangers game? And uh, 10 a.m., they were in the pub just dropping some pints, as, as you do when you're in Glasgow at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And uh, he's just drinking beers, just trying to escape, you know, what he's running from. And gets talking to a guy in the pub, and, and the guy says to him, Hey, you want to come upstairs? we we, we got church upstairs. <laughs> and he, he's had a few beers by now, so hey, why not? And... Uh, Church might be more fun when you've had a few beers. And, uh, you know, so gets, gets upstairs, gets talking to a few people, meets a nice little old Scottish lady. Hello, dear. And um, that was all right. And um, where are you from, Melbourne? Oh, I've got a niece in Melbourne. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of people that got a niece in Melbourne. Um, what church do you go to? Oh, I go to so-and-so church. My niece goes to so-and-so church. Do you know her? Yeah, we're on the same prayer team. 
Yeah, we are, right? Why don't you come over for, for lunch after church? Okay, so go, after, go, go home with this lady, have lunch. They're, sure enough, they're on the walls, photos of the family of the people in his prayer, prayer team on the other side of the world. I said, so what you're telling me is you basically booked an airline ticket on Jonah Airlines and you went in a giant metal whale through the sky. He's like, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, cool. So whatever, fast forward 10 years, I don't know the whole story, in between 2008 and 2018, finds himself in Melbourne living in a hostel. Uh, again, I, I don't know why. I don't know how life's treated him. I've only met him twice. And um, he meets a guy in the hostel, a Canadian guy. He says, hey man, you should come to church next Sunday. I went to church last week and I found this church and it's just a small church, and, but everyone's really friendly and the preacher's awesome. And uh, <laughs> just inserted that myself. He says, and the, the Canadian guy had, knew a bit of his background. He said, look, man, you're not going to know anyone there. You're not going to see anyone. You're not going to find. You're just, it's going to be a safe place. All right, cool. I'll come. Comes along. He's there early because visitors get to church early, which is a good reason why we should get to church early. Just a little plug for the pastors. Yeah, preach at the front row. Like, preach it, preach it, preach it. Comes in, sitting down there. Start Church starts to fill up. In walks a family. Sits in front of him. He does a double take. He's like, no way. Same family that was on that photograph in Scotland whose auntie had invited him over for lunch. Been in our church for about six months. He's blown away. Worship happens, experiences the presence of God. I get up and preach and I say, you know what? I didn't even have any notes, didn't have any scriptures. Just spoke for the heart, from the heart for about 25 minutes. So the heart of our church is that the thing we're praying for. There, there are sons and daughters who grew up in the house of God for whatever reason. They've run away. He's looking at his mate, Canadian friend, laughing. Me, as an insecure performance-oriented introvert, think he's ridiculing my message. <laughs> Serious. I'm like, man, I've missed the boat this morning, right? I'm preaching about... There, there are hundreds of thousands of people that were on fire for God, but no longer. It's going to be a safe place for those people. He ends up at the front of the service, bawling his eyes out, coming back to God. So you might be here today because you just thought you were coming to church. You thought, oh, well, I may as well just come to church. You may have been running from God. You may have never really considered God as an option for your life. You may have seen other people who they need religion, but you've never had any kind of need for religion of any kind. You've, you, life's been good to you. But maybe you're here today because there's, you know, and I, again, this is not just, I was speaking to somebody at the door there and uh, Laura, where's Laura? She's here. She's got a great, at the back still, great story, ushering. I won't go into her story. It's her story. But her thing was in, I didn't realize that God had a plan. God had a purpose. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.